In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. may be seated. Uh, I'm going to be teaching out of Matthew chapter 11, so you can get your Bibles out and get ready for that. If you don't have one, there should be one in, in one of the seats in front of you down below. Uh, you can get one of those out. So, Matthew 11 is where we'll be. Um, all right, here's a, here's a question for you. Uh, who in here is looking forward to Christmas? You all looking forward to Christmas? Yeah? Does anybody have anybody in your house, and usually they're a little bit younger, who just can't wait? You know what I'm talking about? You, you remember that? You remember those days? You, little fella, you remember those days? I bet you're living them right now. Okay, just cannot wait, and you keep having to say, hey, okay, Christmas come, be patient. How many days until Christmas? Ten. Ten days. <gasps> Countdown. Can't you feel the heart start beating and all that, right? You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. Christmas is coming. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Okay. Did you pick up in the letter that James wrote to all, all the Christians and out of chapter 5, he had to tell the people about uh, the coming of, of Jesus to come back? He had to say, y'all, got to be patient. We don't have that sense of anticipation about the return of Jesus that children have about Christmas, do we? Well, part of it is we don't know what day it's going to be. And so, you know, it, it's not, we don't really have a countdown. We just know it's coming. But the people in the time when James lived, James, the brother of Jesus, I mean, this is the early days of Christianity. James had to tell the people, whoa, calm down, be patient. Be patient. Be patient like, you know, like farmers waiting on the rain. Be patient like farmers waiting on crops to grow. You just got to wait. It's going to happen. Just be patient. And we don't have that sense. We've kind of lost that sense. We can, uh, that's why we set Advent aside every year. Every year we have this reminder that reminds us, wait a second, this isn't all there is. Yes, something amazing happened that changed our lives and means we can be friends with God. And it happened 2,000 years ago because God sent Jesus and He came as a baby. And, you know, people had looked forward to that for, you know, thousands of years. You know, they were excited about that happening. And we should be too. But there's more, Right? All the stuff that didn't write, he's going to set right one day. And we should be excited about that. And so we have this time set aside called Advent every year to remind us, not just to look back, but to look ahead. Uh, when Jesus comes back, every evil ruler is going to be overthrown. Sickness, death... Overcome. Not, not just, you know, in, in that spiritual sense. In anybody who has a relationship with Jesus, I mean, you're, you, you've got eternal life, right? But we're talking like, no, like really, you will have bodies that will not die when Jesus comes back. Okay, that's something to look forward to. Um, wrongs will be righted. Not temporarily, but forever. All the things that... that Fight against the, the image of God in, in people and, and the, the creation that God wants us to have. It's, it's going to be set right when Jesus comes back. And the early church really looked forward to this. We have to remind ourselves. 
um, we we get our our minds set more on the everyday stuff and and we can get distracted about the things that don't go well the prayers that don't get answered the problems that still aren't solved the people that are still in office can you believe it oh my goodness the you know the the trouble that we have uh and there are times that, you know, I think everybody prays. I think even atheists at times when there's that need, they find themselves going, like, okay, if there's a God, you know, can you help? And I think everybody prays, at least to some degree. And we get frustrated and downhearted when our prayers aren't answered, especially when they're not answered in the ways that we know they need to be answered, right? You ever been there? I have. Okay, I'm I'm a paid professional and I've been there. It's it's disheartening when when I know that things should be better and they're not, and I'm praying and nothing's happening. I bet y'all know what that's like. Now, John the Baptist knew what that was like. Uh, he he was you know remember who John is you know there's a picture of him in prison you know there on the floor and this is probably looks actually much cleaner we were talking about this in in Sunday school this morning this is much nicer than it probably actually was it was probably dark and filthy and lice ridden and rats and you know you don't have any food except what other people will bring and hand in through the window to you and. Other people are trying to beat you up and take it from you. I mean, it's just, okay, so this is a pretty picture. But John's in prison. And think about who John is. John had a pretty famous cousin named Jesus. They're cousins. They grew up together. You know, John knowing that Jesus is the Messiah that God sent. Jesus knowing that John is the one that God was sending to prepare the way for it. For his own ministry, they grew up, they knew that from the time they could walk. And, and John did his job well. He did become that man that, that Jesus said, he's kind of like Elijah, you know, there's prophesied to come. And he goes out and, and says, hey, get ready, the Messiah's coming. And then Jesus comes and begins his ministry and John says, yeah, he's the guy. And then John, he gets on the wrong side of the king. And boy, there's a soap opera in, involved in that. We won't go into that. But, but he gets thrown into prison because he gets on the wrong side of the king. And Jesus doesn't do a thing about it. And this is Jesus. I mean, this is his cousin. Right? I mean, they were in this together. And Jesus is the one, I mean, He's the Messiah. He's supposed to be the one that's overcoming all the bad kings and, and you know, freeing all the prisoners. And, and it's like, hey, you know, Jesus, where are you? Right? Put yourself in, in, in John's mindset. Have you ever been in something similar? It's like, this is a bad situation. It's wrong. God can do something about this and nothing's happening. That's where John is. I don't know if y'all have been there, but we get there. I mean, I, I think we can relate to that. Um, and, and then while John is in prison, he hears that Jesus is going out doing for other people what he's not doing for John. He's out healing people and, and he's out proclaiming freedom for captives and John is still a captive. 
Um, he's, Jesus is standing up uh, against uh, unrighteous leaders. And there's an unrighteous leader that John's like, you can stand up against this one. And Jesus isn't doing anything about it. I mean, just think about that for, for, for a moment. Jesus just doesn't seem to be concerned with John. And, and the place of pain that John is in is, is becoming his whole world. And the things that John knew were, were true at one point, he's forgetting. And it causes them to send a mess, you know, call his followers who were, who were there talking to him, you know, through the grate in the wall. And, and he says, I want you to go and ask Jesus something. And I think he's really, um, he really wants to know if Jesus remembers him. And this is, this is the Jesus that says, you know, I, I want to tell you, out of all the people that have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus had high respect for John. John knew that, and yet John feels forgotten. John feels overlooked. Things aren't going well for John. So he calls his disciples and says, listen, I, want, I, I need you to go and ask Jesus something. Okay, all right, what do you need us to ask? And this is, this is what he said. This is John the Baptist, Matthew 11, verse 2. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus this question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for somebody else? Now, why would John have that question be asked? This is John who has known all his life that Jesus is, is prophesied to be the Messiah. This is John who went out with the job description of getting everybody ready because he's about to start. This is John who saw him walking by one day and says, there he is. And now John is saying, <laughs> are you really the guy? Because according to my world, it doesn't look like it. I don't know if you've ever been there. But we get there. Because things don't go well. Because of the diagnosis. Because... They're not with us anymore because the friendship is, I don't know if it can ever get back together. Because I still don't know how we're going to pay the mortgage. Because, you know, it, the economic downturn took all the retirement. Now what? I mean, it's, it's like, where's God? Where's God in all of this? And John's disciples were probably looking at him like, how can you even ask? I don't get it. You were so sure. And now you don't know. But they go in and they ask. You know, John, John's like, I need some assurance. I, I need to know. Um, and this is somebody that may have known Jesus better than about anyone else. And he needed to know something. So... They go and they ask, the, the, you know, they kind of go up to Jesus and like, um, John sent us with a little question. It's not our question. Um, are you the one who was to come or is there somebody else? And they ask the question and Jesus says to them, he says, 
Go back to John and, and tell him what you've heard and seen. I mean, y'all have been here. Y'all have been watching a little bit. You've seen, you've seen what I'm up to today. You've heard the stories of what's been going on. Go tell him. And then he starts quoting things that are prophesied that the Messiah will do. You can go back and look in Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61. Those are two good chapters to go and read about this. But it says that the Messiah is going to do stuff like this. The, the blind see. Go tell John that. The, the lame walk. The, the lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead raised to life. And good news is being preached to the poor. You need to go tell, tell John, God is still God. The Messiah is still the Messiah. Even though it's painful for John right now, none of that has changed. And then, you know, so the top was like, okay, this is going to be so awkward, but... All right, thanks. And they turn to go and Jesus says, hey, hold on, one, one more thing. And tell him, God blesses those who don't turn away. God blesses those who don't stumble. God blesses those who don't fall down because of me. God blesses those who because of what I do still don't turn away. God blesses those who don't turn away even because of what I don't do. And so in that message, he's like, tell John, John, you have no way of knowing if you will ever be set free from prison or not. But don't give up. Don't turn away because of what I do or what I don't do. There's a blessing in that for you if you don't turn away because of what you think I should do or what you think I shouldn't do and it's not happening or it's, just don't turn away. Don't turn your back on God. Don't judge God by your circumstances. And don't we do that? I do. I look at it and I'm in the pit of despair. And in the pit of despair, it, it doesn't seem like God exists or God cares and why doesn't He and He should and that gummy He's not. And I'm, mm. But our personal circumstances don't necessarily equate to how much God cares or loves you. The fact that he's God. It, it, think about what happened to John. I mean, some of y'all know the story. Um, if you keep on reading a little bit, we find out that John actually does not get out of prison. John is beheaded by this king. It did not go well for John. Does that mean that Jesus wasn't who John believed he was? Doesn't it break your heart? Think about, think about Jesus himself. I mean, as he's approaching, he knows he's about to be put to death. And he goes pleading in prayer to his father. 
and says, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Did the cup pass from him? No. Had God moved off the throne one centimeter? No. Do you think God loved his son? Oh, yeah. Do you think Jesus loved John? Oh, yeah. Do you think Jesus respected John? Oh, yeah. Nobody like John has ever lived, he said. Our personal circumstances do not necessarily coincide with the love that God has for us. The love God has for us isn't revealed by our circumstances at the time. The love that God has for us was revealed by Jesus on the cross. That he loved the world so much that he sent his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's what shows God's love for us. And there are going to be times that because of what God does or doesn't do, it's going to make it seem like, well, maybe he's not God. Maybe he doesn't love me. I've prayed for this thing to be removed. Must be 58 times by now. And it's still here. Has God moved one centimeter off the throne? No. Has God's love for us changed one iota? No. It had not changed for John either. Here's the bottom line. There are some things that will not get fixed this side of heaven. There are going to be people in power that you and I both know shouldn't, they shouldn't be there. And the damage that they do is awful. Why won't God and shouldn't God and, and or, or God can heal. I mean, God is healed. God healed them and them and them and them. And that one lost their keys and prayed and keys came back and the cat was found and But God's not answering my prayer. Now, I'm not telling you not to pray. I'm not telling you to sit in a funk. I just want you to realize that even if it doesn't happen for you, it doesn't change one iota how precious you are in God's sight. It does not take God off the throne one little bit. And all the things that are wrong today are going to one day be made right when Jesus comes back. And that should be something that stirs us. In the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our joy, we should be stirred to recognize that there's something yet to come that is better than what is. Our wishes don't come true all the time. But God is still God. Sometimes, you know what? (laughs) It's amazing. The more people that you pray for to be healed, guess what happens? The more are. 
Does that mean all of them? Hadn't been the case for me. Right? You heard, if y'all were here last week and you heard David uh, preach, and if you weren't, go online and listen to that. You know, he's got something terminal. Terminal heart condition. Guess what? He knows God still loves him. He's moving on. He's going to keep on praying that he gets healed. But even if he doesn't get healed, he will still trust in his Savior. Because not everything gets fixed this side of heaven. One day everything gets fixed. Might not be today. But it gives us something to plant a stake in and look forward to. Advent is about anticipating that. Longing for it. Because it's worth longing for. Even more than Christmas is worth longing for when, when you've longed for Christmas. And there is a blessing if you will keep on. And you will still trust. And you will still praise. And you will still look forward. Even if it seems like God is doing or God is not doing the right, wrong things. That was a good ending. (laughs) Let's pray. Oh, Father, let us know the joy of the blessing that comes when we don't turn away. And for those of us for whom it is hard right now, for those of us uh, who are like John in prison, that we need to ask, oh, God, is this, are, are you real? You know, send us a message and help to encourage our hearts. And help us look forward to the day when not just our problems, but all problems are going to be taken care of. Because you come back. Because you will not give up on making everything whole and right and glorifying to yourself. Help us to not fall away and to stand firm in that trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.